Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I got to interview Emily. And Emily is a best-selling author, psychic, and a metaphysical coach. We talk about some crazy reading stories she had. We talk about crystals, tarot, and her advice for tapping into your psychic abilities. I hope you guys enjoy listening. So thank you so much, Emily, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'd love to start at the beginning of your journey. Tell me what your what different career changes you've had so far and what your life's been like so far. Career stuff is very interesting, but thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and get to share a little bit of me on your show. So thank you for providing the space because that's really awesome. Um, so my story is a rather long one and very, very interesting and different than I think a lot of, a lot of stories are. Um, it's funny that you mentioned career first because I've done everything from like managing a pottery studio to selling cards to being an HR management to doing what I do now, which is I'm a, I'm a working psychic and spiritual advisor and metaphysical coach along with an author. Um, and so to get to all of those places, it was a really, really odd journey. Um, to start, like I said, the beginning is the best place is I... As I mentioned, I'm a psychic, and I, I knew of my abilities from basically as long as I can remember. From the time I was really, really small, I would always see people in my room as I was going to sleep. I could hear people. I'd walk into a room, and I would hear everyone's kind of spirit guides or, or loved ones or whatever just all talking in my ears at the same time when I was really a little kid. Like, my imaginary friends were actual spirit guides for people and stuff, and I actually could see them and feel them. And obviously, as a child, that's not really easy to explain or even understand. So as I grew older, I started to kind of shut them out and shut out all of these abilities because I thought that made me weird. And I already was kind of just an awkward human naturally anyway. I was really, really tall and and very, very shy and all these different things. So I tried very, very hard to become someone that I wasn't, to become someone that fit in, to become someone that was exactly like everyone else. And um, it was very unsuccessful for many years. And so I remember in middle school and high school, I was forcing all of these gifts and abilities away so much that they were coming up as anxiety, they were coming through as depression because I was just, there was no parts of me that were truly showing through because I was shutting off my own intuition by shutting off my natural psychic abilities. And um, that ended up leaving me in a place where I was constantly seeking external validation and constantly seeking acceptance. And that led to me being in a really abusive relationship right out of high school. So I ended up getting together with him and I had my first child when I was 18 and my second child when I was 19. So I was, I'm a formerly teen mom, I guess. I always like don't necessarily claim the moniker because I'm like, well, I'm not a teenager anymore. Does that count as a teen mom? But I was at the time. So um, I, I was in that abusive relationship for about four and a half years. And it was really traumatic and extremely painful. Um, and that was a hell of a way to start off my 20s is basically the identity death of that and during that time everything I ever thought about myself kind of got washed away and stripped away and all of my psychic abilities completely shut off during that time because it was fight or flight you're in fear mode all the time and you can't be magical when there's fear that doesn't work they're kind of the antithesis to each other right if you're sitting in fear all the time there's no way for creativity and all this beauty to come through and when I finally escaped that relationship I had run out of things to be scared of so I was kind of just like, I want my psychic abilities to come back. I want to see myself the whole person again. And I want for the first time ever to finally own all of this um, and own everything that I am. And so even though I was excited and ready for all that to come back, it didn't. It, it was so blocked off by all the trauma and all the gunk that I had gone through for all of my life that 
it wasn't coming through. And no matter what I did, it didn't feel like it was coming through. And so there was a point in time I remember breaking down and just being so sad, being like, he took this too? Like, he literally has taken all of me? Like, this, this is the essence of who I am. And I decided that that wasn't going to happen. And so I started on a very long journey that um, ended up being the process I use now to help people access their synthetic abilities, because we all have them. And I was able to boil it down to really clearing out a lot of trauma and all these blocks on your psychic abilities and then learning how to use them. And that's what I do now. So it's kind of been a very interesting journey of, of my 20s <laughs> so far. I'm, 20, I'm about to turn 28. Um, so it's, it's been mostly like, I, I don't want to say up and down because it didn't start out up. It started out down. So I'm going to say it's been down and up. <laughs> down and up journey. Um, and then eventually, this past year, I wrote a book about how I overcame a lot of the PTSD left over from abuse. And um, that went bestseller on Amazon, and it got picked up by a New York publisher, so it's being re-released this fall, um, which is really exciting as well. So there's been a very wide array of things that I do and have done over the course of my life. <laughs> Can I ask you, like, how did you know, like, it was time to get out of that relationship? Like, what was the turning point for you? Um, so, abuse is a really interesting thing. And it's hard to describe. Um, for a, I spent a lot of years trying to think about how I describe, how I would describe what it's like when I'm in that situation. Because I had a really good childhood. I have very loving, wonderful parents. I grew up in a wonderful place. Um wonderful support system, wonderful community, and I still ended up there. And for me, when I was in the relationship, I couldn't admit that it was abusive. I knew it was, but admitting that it was abusive wasn't wasn't anything against my ex. Like, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm admitting this, and therefore, how can I love this abusive person? It wasn't that. It was, if I admit that this is abusive, what does that say about me? What does that say about who I am as a person? Did I really let myself fail this hard to get into a space with someone who I love so much who wants to hurt me? I don't, I couldn't understand that and I couldn't wrap my head around actually admitting that for a really long time, even when it was really bad, really, really bad. And physical abuse is the easiest to, to heal from because, yeah, it sucked and it was fun for the physical stuff, but the emotional and mental stuff is such a warped way and it really just messes everything up about how you view and see the world and yourself and others and love and all these different things. Um, and that was the hardest. So for a long time, I just kept denying it. And unfortunately, the people around me at the time, he had moved me over eight hours away from where I had any family or friends, which is the classic psychopathic narcissist move of let's take her away so she's, no one can access her, um, which of course I didn't know at the time either. But so I was living really far away and I had two kids. Um, my daughter was not yet one and my son had just barely turned two. And um, it, I remember I, at the time I was like, I had bruises all over my arm one day and my boss saw them. I was selling cars and he just ignored them. And I remember thinking, oh, if he's ignoring them too, like if everyone's ignoring them, this is not, I'm not, I'm not really in an abusive relationship. I can just make him happier. If I just make him feel how much I actually love him, then everything will get better, which is of course the classic, like, what happens to your mind in that space. So what really did it in for me is I was, when I was selling cars, there was this woman who came onto the car lot one day. And um, this is kind of an interesting story, but I'll kind of keep it short because I can be boring with it. I don't want to. Um, but she came onto the car lot one day and she was almost homeless. Like you could tell she was like, she had a place to live, but probably not for very much longer. Like she was kind of losing it. She was dressed crazy. She had all this trash and stuff up in her arms. And she was kind of 
it. I went up to talk to her, and she's like, hey, I need to buy a car. I need to get out of here. I need to buy your cheapest car. And I was like, okay, let's go inside, and I'll drop some paperwork. We'll talk about it. So I took her inside, and she kind of broke down inside and, and admitted, you know, like, how she was really struggling. She just needed to get back to safety, and it wasn't safe for her year and this whole stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I do need you to put down at least a down payment. Are you able to do that? And she's like, well, I'm not, but I have a friend that can. And I give him a call. And I was like, yeah, sure. So she calls and she leaves a message and she's like, hey, I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'll be right back. And she leaves. And so I'm thinking, okay, this isn't real. Like, she didn't actually have a friend that was going to call. Like, she just left and she didn't really come back. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just forget about it. But then he did call back, her friend. And he was so excited that she had made contact. He wanted more than anything. He's like, I'll pay for the car right outright for her right now. I will like, I will give you my account information. As soon as she comes back, tell her, I just need her to get to safety. Like, let's get her out of this situation. I just am dying to help. And she hasn't accepted it until now. So thank you for calling me all this stuff. And I was like, awesome. So I'm so hoping she would come back. The next week she comes back. And I was so excited. I was like, hey, the guy called back. He's going to take, you know, he's going to get your car. He's going to get you out of here. It's going to be awesome. And the look that crossed her face, I will never forget. Because it was like a second of, Oh my gosh, yay. And then immediately being, I can't accept that. What does that say about me? What does that say about where I've gotten myself to? Like, I can't face that. I can't face him. I can't do this. And she just kind of looked at me and she like shook her head. And she's like, no, it's okay. Thank you. And she just left. And I was so sad. I was so upset because I was like, here's this woman and these people are willing to help her get out of this situation. And she's choosing not to do that. And that was the moment my brain clicked on and was like, that's what you're doing. And I was like, Oh gosh. Okay. This is actually an abusive relationship. This is the stuff that you have nightmares about. And I'm here and now I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So then, um, shortly after that, I actually accepted help and was able to leave, which, yeah. So that's the moment. <laughs> There's an actual moment. Story. And do you think that was a sign from the universe? hundred percent. She was definitely, um, I think spirit guides in their nature don't have to be just this like being that you can't necessarily see or feel that interferes with your life like the universe will send you spirit guides that are in the form of humans and and, or animals or anything like that and she definitely was one like that was what I needed and I don't regret my abusive relationship at all it's deeply changed my life and and who I was and what I planned on doing but I don't regret it. I, I learned so much more and I can actually help people at a different level. And I learned how to accept myself in a way that I never thought I could. Um, and I wouldn't take that back to the world. And how do you know something's like a sign from the universe? Well, does it feel like a sign? <laughs> That's always what I ask first. Whenever someone's like, oh, I just, you know, you know, how do I know what the next step is? this? I'm like, well, have you asked? Like, have you asked the universe what's next? And then actually accept it when you got an answer? Because so often people are like, I just want to know what's next. And then when the answer comes, they're like, no, that's not the answer. Like, trust yourself. Like, learn what your intuition feels like. If you feel pulled to something, if you're like, I'm really excited about this one thing, and I just really want to try that, then that's what you're supposed to be doing, and that's your sign. Your excitement is your sign. That thing that's pulling you towards it is your sign. Those big realizations are always a sign. They're always trying to guide you because we all come onto this earth having a mission and a purpose that we're going to achieve locally. And we don't know it consciously because we're supposed to learn it as we go. That's the point. And so when those things happen, it's you're on your quest and you finally are getting pieces of information you've always needed and always been looking for to take you to the next step. 
when you said you have you had psychic abilities as a kid what how they show up how did they manifest as a kid so um when i say psychic abilities i kind of use it as a blanket term when really it's it's so much bigger than that so um there's been many times where i'm like yeah i'm a psychic and people are like oh you see the future i'm like actually that is the least likely thing that i want to do like i when people ask me their future, I kind of go, I don't want to tell you your future. Because we're all manifestors. We get to create our own future, and that's the point. Like, we're supposed to manifest these things. We're supposed to call these things. We're conscious creators of our own reality, so let's create our own reality. Um, so when I say I have psychic abilities, yes, I can see the future. But um, for me specifically, I use them as what I say. When I say psychic, it's just I have a unique way of perceiving information my normal five senses can't. So I see channel everything from spirit guides to past lives to mediumship style stuff where I see past loved ones to your energy field and energy blocks and things like that. When I was a kid, um, specifically, I would have people show up, like people and beings and animals and stuff, show up in my room and I could see them and talk to them and feel them and no one else could. And I could, I, and they would give me information about, about people that I wouldn't know. And there's no way I could know as a six-year-old, like <laughs> this type of information about the adults in my life. Like it didn't make any sense. So there's that. I could hear people in my head, um, like hear guides, hear information about people in my head. And then I'm also a very clairsentient person. So clairsentient, there's there's eight levels of clairs, um, or eight types of clairs. And people always know clairvoyance, which is clear seeing. Clairsentience means I feel things in my physical body that other people are experiencing. So for example, if you have shoulder pain and I'm tuning in, I can feel, if I feel pain in my shoulder, I'll always be like, oh, hey, did you have, did you have a thing in your shoulder? I can feel it in mine. That sort of thing. But also, if someone is angry, as opposed to, say, like an empath, which classic empath is like what is the blanket term for all spirituality right now, um, is like, oh, oh, empaths have an emotional reaction to someone else's emotions. So if you were feeling sad, I would feel sad. That's not how, like, that's how an empath would work, which is not me. I, If you feel sad, I feel a, a pain in my stomach, and I know that's my sign for sad. So as a kid, I'd walk into a room and all of a sudden my body, my physical body would feel all of these energies and all these crazy things happening and I wouldn't understand. I would just meet those energy and there wasn't anything actually wrong with me. But of course, that gave me a lot of anxiety on top of that because I'm like, uh, what the heck is going on with my body? I don't understand. So that's kind of the stuff that's presented as a kid. Um, now it's a lot different because I've worked with it so much. And how do you help people like tap into their intuition? and their natural intuitive gifts, kind of like a river, right? So we all have this flowing river inside of us that is our magic. And what we have done over the course of our lifetime is taken as much crap as possible and junk and just chucked it into our river. So we're sitting there like, oh, we have a traumatic experience. Here's some logs and some plastic bags and this person made fun of us, so here's a beaver. And we just spend a lot of energy unconsciously damming up our river. That's basically the concept. Um, and some people come into this life with their river really kind of damned already, and some come with it really open. Obviously, mine was a very open flowing river that I damned up over my years. Where some people like come in and they don't really have access right away, but they learn how to break down those barriers later on. So when I, in my business, when I'm helping people to really access these abilities and learn how to tap into their own magic river, we start by addressing the stuff they've thrown into it. So we start by really learning how to remove limiting beliefs when you want to and how you want to. Um, and limiting beliefs are detrimental and crazy, and there's so many of them we have that we don't even know that we have. So we spend a lot of time 
those, getting rid of that. Um, you know, working through your fear, because fear is an antithesis to magic, like I said. So, like, working through that fear, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of that? How is that limiting you? So we pull a lot of that stuff out, so the river starts flowing again. Um, and we develop, like, a daily magical practice so that you can really start getting in touch with yourself and, and how you, your gifts show up. We just, have, you know, figure out how you perceive information, whether it's with clear sight or clear hearing or clear physical feeling or whatever it is. Um, and then we do a lot of practicing. There's a lot of different abilities that I have had and, and you know, talk to people who have them and stuff like that. So we practice together, and that's the biggest thing about growing confidence because so often people are like, I don't know how I'm supposed to start reading for people. I've never read for people before. How am I supposed to do this and know it's going to be right? So that's the whole thing that we do is I get them to practice and actually actively try. And the cool thing is, is more often than not, the first couple times they practice, they'll be so shocked at how accurate they've been or how, how this actually showed up or what experience they just had because you really are just opening something that you, is your, your right. Like you, your birth, it exists in you already. So you don't even need to worry about the accuracy. And how do you talk to your spirit guides? So me personally, I talk to them and they talk back. So like for me, I've always been able to kind of hear and see and feel them except for the time when I was in the abusive relationship. But if you're just starting out and you really would like, you're like, oh man, I really would like to get you to know my spirit guides. They have a really simple trick that I teach people to do. And it's like one of my funnest things to teach people because it's so easy and you get immediate results from it. Um, and I, I call it selecting a validation. So essentially, like I said before, like your spirit guides are always trying to send you information, right? They're always trying to communicate with you. Um, but we don't necessarily speak the same language. Like you'll be, you'll be like, I need a sign. And they'll send you what they think is a sign, but it's really just four butterflies. And you're like, why don't I get a sign? And they're like, I sent you four butterflies. Like, how do you not get my message? And so what we're, what selecting so validation essentially is, is saying, Hey, if I'm on the right path or, you know, you need to communicate with me, please send me blank, whatever it is. That's something that means something to you. For me, it's rainbows. Um, it's always been rainbows, and when I first selected a validation, I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, I'm going to, I don't live in a place where it rains, ever. It never rains. It's snowing or it's sunny, but that's like, that's it. There's no rain. I'm like, why not I do rainbows? But okay, I guess I'll give it a shot, because I love them, and that's what I feel drawn to do. And that day, my daughter came home from school, and she had a beauty for covered with, like, 100 rainbows. And she's like, look, I can learn how to draw rainbows today. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> so, whatever you, if you want to communicate with your guides, you just have to ask or something so ask them out loud to say if I'm on the right path please send me ducks or ladybugs or cardinals or whatever it is and you'll be surprised how often those start showing up and that's the first step in really starting to communicate with them I would love to know about your book was your book about how did you get like the idea to start a book and what was that process like for you so I've always been a writer. It's pretty much the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Um, there was a time where I wanted to, like, you know, go to school and, and college and stuff and study things, which, of course, my relationship kind of wiped that out. But I've always, since I was a little kid, been in love with books. And um, my mom my mom worked for an author when I was a child, a very famous author. And um, so I spent, like, my childhood growing up in his office, and then she was a librarian, so then I spent the rest of it growing up in a library. So, like, books have always been part of my life. And so um, I've always written fiction.
I need to know what's next. Like, what's my next step? And I ended up, um, the next day, I got this advertisement for, it's called The Author Incubator, and they help people write nonfiction books. And I was like, huh, I've never written nonfiction. But I think I definitely have, I guess, I have some serious nonfiction stuff I could write. Like, I don't want to write a memoir, but I could definitely write something that would help others. So I um, decided to write, to write nonfiction. And the funny thing is, is my book is actually both fiction and nonfiction, because what I did is I, in the book, I described my process for overcoming trauma um, from PTSD, specifically relationship-based trauma, which is everything from, like, hey, you've been cheated on and now you have trust issues to, you know, your to, to abuse, to maybe, you know, you're, you've just been, had a bunch of crappy relationships that never ended well and you don't think you're, you know, you're not on a good one and you don't want it to end bad, right? Like, there's a, a whole spectrum, but essentially it's dealing with a lot of relationship trauma, relationship PTSD. And so my process that I describe in the book is exact, it's um, a role-play gaming scenario is the best way to describe it. So think of Dungeons and Dragons applied into trauma. So every chapter teaches you a tool to start overcoming things. You create yourself as a character and that character plays through storylines and gets gear um, while you get these skills and these tools. And the coolest part and the way this really switched my own healing journey is by taking it outside of yourself and making it an exciting adventure and characters going on, it stops making it this big, hard thing that you have to overcome. Instead, it makes it this fun thing you get to play with. So instead of like your healing journey being this big traumatic event, this other really hard, challenging thing that'll be hard but worth it, it's actually like, hey, I get to play with this. I get to be creative with this, and I get to have fun with this. And that was really the game changer for me. So that's what my book is mostly about. It's called Damsel No More. And how was like the process like to get on the bestseller list? Was that like right away? Did that happen? Oh, for yeah, so it went Amazon bestseller, which was really, really cool. So both the pre-order uh, last, which was like an ebook, that went bestseller. Um, I don't really know the process other than I, I put it out there and asked people to please do it, and they, and they did, and other, obviously other people did as well, um, which was really great. And again, the audience there helped a lot. They're great. Um, but so, yeah, so I, I did the pre-order went bestseller, and then when I finally launched it last fall, it also went bestseller. Um, and that was really cool. And especially because it doesn't really fit in a genre, I'm like, I guess it's allegorical nonfiction. Like, I don't really know what to call it. It's self-help with storyline. Um, you're a fantasy character, and it's super fun. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's a niche that not necessarily gets a lot of um, light. And I think that's part of the reason that it went bestseller is there's not a ton out there for for people who are we're still struggling with relationship trauma and, and PTSD years after right so that was my issue is like I, I was still affected so drastically by this abuse years after the fact when I was in a new healthy relationship and it was just coming up in full force and I was you know guilty for washing the dishes because I wasn't spending time with him and then also guilty for not washing them because then they weren't getting clean you know like it's just like this crazy blend of everything that you're sitting in and so there's not a ton of resources outside of traditional counseling. And for me, that really wasn't what worked. Like, I, I liked traditional counseling right off the bat after I left the abuse. It helped a lot. But years later, I was like, I had already done that. And it didn't feel like it was effective. You know, like, it didn't feel like it was, it was something I, I needed. So making it fun and making it exciting and making it not something that's scary and daunting. So it's really exciting. Um, my actual official Barnes & Noble bookstore release date is October 13th this year. But it's already up for pre-order on Amazon. So if anyone's interested, they can do that, too. But... Yeah, so I don't really know what the process was that got me there, but I manifested it. That's for dang sure. That's awesome. 
So do you have any like crazy reading stories? I mean, yeah. Uh, I've, <laughs> um, there's, so I also do, I'll do house clearings for people sometimes, like ghosts and stuff stuck in houses. And those are always really crazy because the difference that even people who can't see and feel what I can see and feel, instantaneously feel, is nuts. Because I can go into a house and sense the presence get their present out and it's like the energy in the house like goes from like way up high and like crazy tense to just like whoosh and like peaceful so those ones are always really crazy um uh there's one particularly where the the like spirit the entity was like messing with them like they were able to record like the audio that it was like yelling at them it was like very vicious and i was able to clear that out and when i cleared it out it was so crazy to like for them to tune into the energy the next day they're like i feel healthy again it was like i was unhealthy and now i'm healthy it's like that big of a difference so those ones are always fun because like people feel it right away um another crazy reading story which this is kind of just kind of a statement to how i guess it is to live as a psychic it is i'm pretty good with my walls now like i can turn it on and off basically is the concept so i'm not always channeling for people anymore i used to be it would be like every time i saw someone i would also see their spirit guides and their past loved ones and their past like everything would just like bombard me um whereas now i'm like i can turn it on and off for the most part but sometimes stuff still comes through me through my walls and I was actually doing a, a podcast right? I was on someone's podcast and he was talking and it was about like holistic medicine. It was a really wonderful person. But this whole time, like there was, he, I could not stop seeing his dad. Like his dad was near him, like standing near him and like touching him and talking to me as I was talking, like as I was trying to talk. And I didn't want to like share that on the show because I mean, sometimes that can be uncomfortable if I'm like, Hey, by the way, like your deceased dad is touching your shoulder right now, you know, like in a recording situation but after we got off the call I was like I need to tell you something and I told him and it turns out for the last 30 years he had been doing everything possible to try to understand his dad's lineage understand more about his dad because his dad was an alcoholic when he was a kid and then his dad died and he never got to know him and so he like all the, it would have been a journey he'd been on for 30 years and his dad had been with him the whole time he just didn't know so being able to share that with him he just like broke down and i was able to be like yeah like these are the things that he's saying like he wouldn't even he got through my walls like that doesn't happen very often so i need you to know how important this is and yeah so that was like a really crazy one too just how how deeply these things can help people get closure and, and know that we're not alone um past life stuff is always fun too because we've all had past lives some people have had 100 and some people have had five and it just kind of depends on, on the type of being you are and, and what you're trying to do and learn and the different lessons and stuff um when i was just starting to try to reclaim some of my my magical stuff i actually had a dream on the summer solstice where an oracle showed me a bunch of my own past lives like i went through the oracle and she like showed me like six of them and i like woke up and i like knew them all and i still like vividly remember her face and things like that so like that for my personal thing that was like oh my god this is crazy like i know all of these past lives and information about myself um but it's cool too because not only did i see why i'm attracted to certain time periods because i existed there but i also could see the trauma that occurred in that time period that i was still carrying so i was trying to now i got to the process of like releasing that trauma and like integrating those past lives in so I've done, I, like, there's a wide array of crazy, crazy stories about it, for sure. And how do you clear a house? Um, well, it's a different process based on the type of entity that's there, I guess is the best way to describe it. So most of the time, and I don't have to be physically there. So that's another thing. People are like, you have to travel from this. I'm like, oh, no, I can sit right here in my chair that I'm in right now talking to you, and I can tune into the energy of their house far 
understand. And so a lot of the time they'll be like, hey, like, go, you know, here, let me push you up to, like, this next light space. Essentially, the universe is layered like a cake. That's the best way to kind of describe it. So you can go through the different planes of existence. And so the place that we, the plane we go when we die is kind of just, I just shove them into that plane a little bit, and then they go in, and that's kind of that. Sometimes when they're really angry and they're really vicious and they don't want to go, it requires a little bit more of my energy and effort to do that, um, and a little bit more, like, reminding of them, you know, reminding them that this is not, like, what they're supposed to be, because at the end of the day, everyone wants love. It's a highest vibration frequency you feel in existence. So reminding them of that and then also sending them to that space is mostly what I do. And then I go through and I, like, clean out by, like, washing in gold light, basically, or gold fire, all of the leftover energy of anything and, like, really refresh all of the energy in the space um, to clean it out that way. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that sometimes people are like, well, I kind of want my house clear, but I kind of don't want it clear. Like, I like having my ghost here, but could you just make them calm down? <laughs> so it's funny how often people are, are in that space, too, where they're like, I kind of want them gone, or I just want them to, like, not scare me anymore. I'm like, cool, well, that sounds like a you problem. Let's talk about how you can communicate with them then. <laughs> Is it common for people to have a ghost in their house? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's super common. And the funny thing is, though, most of the time when people are like, I have a ghost in my house, I'll tune in and I'll be like, nope, your spirit guide's just trying to get a hold of you. And you're just ignoring it. <laughs> you know, like, there was even a time when my spirit guide would, like, turn lights on and off in my house. Or I would be, like, watching a movie and she would shut off the movie and I'd be like, okay, I understand you need to talk to me. Like, what do you need to say? And then I could, like, pull tarot cards or whatever to try to, like, tune in to her before I was really good at it. And then when, when she was done and she had said her piece, she would turn the TV back on. Like, there, there's definitely, like, sometimes when people are like, oh, my gosh, the house is haunted. I'll tune in. I'll be like, oh, no, no, no. No, your guide's name is this, and they just really want to get a hold of you. I bet you they did this, this, and this. And they'll be like, yeah, they did. I'm like, yeah, so stop being afraid. Like, they're trying to just help you. Um, so more often when people are like, there's a ghost, that's most of the time what it is. Sometimes when there's a ghost, though, really that person is just trapped and left over in that space, and they really don't want to be. How do you know that there's like a ghost in your house? Can you just feel it? I mean, yeah, for the most part. Everyone's energy sensitive. And so most of the time, if you think there's a ghost in your house, like you're feeling things, you're sensing things, things are in different places, lights are turning on and off, doors are closing randomly, like stuff is happening to make you feel that way. Or you just have that weird feeling of being watched, that weird feeling of not being alone when you should be alone. Um, And that's most of the time when people are like, that's like the signature is like the science um, of that. So when's like a good time to like get a reading from a psychic? And do you think like everyone should get a reading? Oh, I think everyone should get a reading for sure. Because if you're feeling drawn to this kind of psychic world, it's because your own power, the stuff that's within you wants to be seen. It's calling forward to like, trying to make you remember that you are such a powerful amazing person and you're such you're like humans are way more powerful than we realize we have way more abilities than we give ourselves credit for and we're starting to kind of wake up to that so if you're like man i'm really called to this world of crystals and tarot and psychics and stuff that's because you belong in that world like that's you have a space there everyone has some lot of land there that's yours and your unique gifts are showing up so as far as the best time to get a reading i think everyone 
mind should at least open themselves up to trying to get a reading and see how it goes. I know there is some times where people are disreputable and that kind of sucks. Um, and that gives us people who are trying really hard to make this more of a mainstream concept feel kind of icky. <laughs> but if you if you feel called to get a reading from someone, like give it a shot, see what comes through. Or better yet, buy yourself a deck of tarot cards. There's this weird myth that you have to be gifted them, which is completely not true. Um, so I'm going to just dispel that right off the bat. The only reason that myth exists is because once you are a psychic woo-woo person like me, you hoard tarot cards like a tarot dragon. And so we want to give them to you, so we don't want you to buy one. Uh, but that, that's why that's why that rumor comes up. But, but uh, <laughs> definitely, like, buy yourself a deck of tarot cards and give yourself a reading. Just get to play with your own energy and feel your own energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you want clarity or especially if you're needing things like closure or guidance or there's this problem that seems so much bigger than you, it's a great avenue to turn to, to be like, hey, can I hear what my spirit guides are saying? Because I'm not at a place where I can talk, you know, to them or do I even have them? You all do. But I mean, people get concerned about that. And if you're feeling alone, like that's a great time to get a spirit guide reading because you're not alone and they're trying to help you through. Yeah. Do you have, Anytime you feel drawn. Awesome. And do you have like a favorite tarot deck? Uh, I have I have many. <laughs> many favorite tarot decks. Uh, my favorite tarot deck specifically is the Forest of Enchantment Tarot. Um, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's illustrated by Merlia Allwood is her name. And it's it's definitely for the more advanced tarot reader, though. I'll give you that because even the descriptions in the book, which is incredible, it's like a full color book, which never happens. It's beautiful and huge. It's great. Um, it, they're a little bit more nuanced. Like you need to use your intuition a little bit more. Um, but that's my personal favorite. Having read the tarot for like fifteen years, um, I love that one, and that's one I always use when I read for myself. I also have one that's um, it's based on the Hellenic pantheon, so all the Greek gods and goddesses, and I'm really aligned with that pantheon. A lot of my my guides come from that pantheon, um, so for me, that whenever I want to, it's a more of a card deck, um, and whenever I want to, you know, work with my guides a little bit more on that, or I just need, like, a reading of my soul that really just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, that's the deck I'll go to, um, for sure. I also love, uh, every April, I do, um, I pull up one card for every month of the year, and I write down the meanings, and then every month, I go back and revisit them. Always 100% correct, and it's so helpful. But I use this um, the deck called the Energy Oracle Cards, and they're cool because they have both right, like right side up meanings and upside down meanings. So they have like two times the amount of meanings, um, which usually that's a tarot thing, but not oracle card things. But these are oracle cards, so they're a little bit looser. And I love those. I highly recommend those cards because it gives you so many options. Um, and I use those often when I'm doing like live readings and stuff too, where there's like a bunch of people, and I can just pull one card really fast because there's so many options. So I have a lot of, a lot of, um, another really good, if you're really looking for tarot, um, oh, what's it called? It's another wood one. It's like the one, it's a really famous, um, oracle card, or tarot card deck. Ah, uh, I can't remember it. Just cut that out. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't remember that. I'm like, uh, what's it called? Um, but I've used that one a lot too. I don't actually own that deck though. What's like a good one for like a beginner? The Wildwood Tarot, that's what it's called. Um, I say, what I always say to look, as a beginner, if you're really into, you want to understand the major arcana, the minor arcana, and the nuances of tarot, find a tarot deck that has a really good description book. Because so often, people are like, you're supposed to memorize your cards. I'm like, that's great. I have been doing this 
specifically follow from that. So I always recommend if you're just starting out, go to Amazon, type in tarot decks, and feel out what one's called to you, and don't be afraid to buy two, because sometimes you might be like, wow, I think both of these, but I don't know. That's okay. Give give yourself the energy space to play with both and see what you're more drawn to, and that'll help you down the road as well. So I always recommend that. the first deck that I ever got, I actually got the Energy Oracle that I mentioned and the Hellenic Oracle at the same time um, because I, I kind of wanted both components because I was like, I want ones that talk about energy and then one that talks about like gods and guides and stuff. And so that was what I was looking for and they both were perfect for the purposes that I got them for. So allow yourself to feel drawn because that's the first part of learning how to do tarot is trusting your intuition. So give yourself that exercise for sure. And if they're too hard, you try it, and you're like, these ones feel really icky, that's okay. They don't have to be the right cards for you. That's why we have cardboarding problems, because we buy a ton. Sometimes they're wrong, and we give those away to people we think they'll be right better for, and then sometimes they're right, and they fit. And I like to, like, I like to watch, like, readings online and tarot cards for, like, Virgo. I'm Vir- I'm a Virgo, so I like to watch uh-huh. those readings. And they always, like, put, like, crystals next to the cards. Are you supposed to put, like, crystals next to your cards or something? <laughs> I mean, you can. So the, the idea with cards is um, you want to charge the energy that you're using. You know, you want to charge the cards, right? You want to cleanse their energy and, and, and basically connect them to the energy of all that is, the creator energy that lives in all of us and, and also lives in cards. And so sometimes people use crystals to do that. They'll set the crystal on top of their deck. And I have one deck that I usually rest like a kind of labyrinth crystal that I'll put on there. Um, energy just feels really nice together so I just like matching them up because I think they're supposed to be together based on how I feel their energy um, but it's not required and at all and sometimes just to tune into your cards you can just sleep with them like under your pillow and your energy will tune into your cards more and you'll have better results that way um, a lot of times when people are reading they just want to have as much metaphysical stuff around at all times says I who has like eight crystals like near me right now because <laughs> they're energy conductors and you can actually charge crystals with different energy so if you really want your cards to have the energy of clarity or the energy of calm or the energy of, you know, foresight or whatever it is, you can charge a crystal with that energy and put that and the crystal on the cards and that'll help charge them as well. So it really depends on how you personally want to use them, but crystals are not a requirement. And how do you charge your crystals? Um, so a fun way to do that. So if you just want a general like cleaning of your crystals, leave them out in the sun run some like natural flowing water over them, put them out in the moonlight. Those are all really easy ways to clean your crystals. So cleanse them. Every time you get a new crystal, cleanse the energy in it because it is holding on to the memory of all the energy you've ever experienced. So you need to like clear it out. And then to charge it, what, what I usually do is I will hold the crystal and I will think of a time when I felt whatever feeling I want the crystal to have. And I will feel that feeling all the way through my body and then push all that energy into the crystal and that will charge it with that feeling. It's really, yeah, crystals can teach feelings really easily that way, too, which is nice. What are your favorite ones? My favorite crystals? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so I love Jasper. I love Jasper um, a lot. I have a huge, like, this big, and it sits on my kitchen counter, and every time I come home, I, like, touch it, and it, like, cleanses immediately, and it just helps me ground again, and I just love it so much, because it's, it's a redstone, so it's with your root chakra, like applies to both those. So for me, whenever I feel really floaty or I have anxiety or anything, and I touch that, it, it totally helps. So red jasper, awesome. I love that. Um, quartz is a go, great go-to. It's it's a really powerful energy conductor. So if, if you're just starting out, and quartz is beautiful anyway, um, it's 
great to start practicing with just that because it's really easy to use. It's really comfortable. Um, I love Labradorite. I love Opal, um, mostly because they reflect rainbow stuff, which again, I'm all about the colors. So um, for me, they show being multifaceted like that. I like multifaceted stone and, and crystals because their their energy is just a little bit different. And um, I use them most of the time when I'm channeling or stuff because it, it helps me go up and down into different dimensions and realms and stuff a little bit easier but I'm a sucker for all of them and I won't say no if anyone gives me a crystal never <laughs> and how do you choose them um intuition mostly there'll be times where I'm like I need a new crystal for basically no discernible reason I'm just like I need a new one and so I will go to the crystal shop and I'm gonna crystal um and that, that'll be it sometimes they just come to you you know people will give them to you but just allow yourself to trust what one you feel like you need and look up the meeting later sometimes you're like oh i really need this meeting look at that at first and then decide if you want you know like a, a rock that corresponds to that meeting or just allow yourself to be guided um that's a big part of a lot of this it's just allowing yourself to be guided and trusting that you are being are there any questions you wish i would have asked you Um, I don't think so, really. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to ask? And what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Um, the biggest advice I would give my 20-year-old self is, this is going to sound really interesting, but um, not to get so hung up on goals of as far as, like, I want to do that or achieve that. Instead, get sort out who I want to be and just live towards that and everything else will be a byproduct. Um, I feel like a lot of, at least in my growing up experience, and I think a lot of people have come to say, like, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be when you grow up? Not who are you going to be when you grow up? And that's a big lack. And I never, I didn't achieve basically anything that I planned on achieving based on my goals that I set when I was 20 and early, earlier than that. But I am the person I always I would be and I want I would wish my 20 year old self would know that that is truly what a possibility is like you truly get to be that person if you want to and where can people connect with you yeah so um, I have a Facebook group um, if anyone is interested in learning how to access their psychic abilities and learn to use them without fear and turn them on and off in the whole nine yards I would love to have you there it's called Master Your Magic Psychic searching Facebook and I would love to have you in that space I'm also super active on Instagram so my handle is at liker of words and then um, on top of that uh, you can visit me on my website which is damselnomore.com which is obviously the title of my book and then my book is available for pre-order on Amazon if you're feeling like you want that as well and the audiobook I'm actually narrating the audiobook and that'll come out a little bit sooner than the actual paperback copy thank you so much for doing this Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. If you know someone who might resonate with this story, please share it with them. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.